0: Looking at these reflections on love and contentment And for those that were not here last night Last night was an introduction To the importance of this topic of Mahabbah of love And in the first session Saint Ali looked at various Qur'anic verses And statements of our Prophet Sallallahu That point to the centrality of love in the life of the believer. And we follow this up in the next session with a discussion. We follow this up in the next session last night, session two, where we looked at the importance of love and how it really is the entire affair. And what is meant by that is that love is the source of creation, it is the summit, it is the ultimate goal of the spiritual path, and it relates specifically to the hereafter, as we will see in the beginning of today's discussion. And so, part of the challenge of what we need to reclaim in relation to our conception and practice of the Deen in this time is the centrality of love and if that's the only thing that we came away with from this weekend it would suffice and it doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy after that No, we still have a lot of work to put in but we would at least have come away with something that is foundational enough to change that everything in relation to our deen moving forward and really that if we understand this this knowledge This focus Which is ultimately about Mahabba and Love Everything changes at that point And this is From the essence of what our deen Brought to humanity How could it be otherwise If when we looked at The meaning of Mahabba Love yesterday We said it relates to Fulfilling our purpose Of creation So if this relates to the purpose for which we've been created I.e. to know Allah and to love Him And the more we love Him, the more we come to know Him And this goes on eternally How could it be anything other than central? How could it be anything other than Extremely important and foundational To every single aspect Of our religious practice So inshallah Taala, In this session We're going to speak about how can we practically strengthen our love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you all have received the outlines. The three main points we're going to cover is, first and foremost, the importance of love in relation to the hereafter. And then the two main things that Imam Al-Azari mentions on how we really do this, which are severing worldly attachments from the heart and planting the seeds of gnosis in your heart by way of reflection. So this is what we will be discussing. Bi idni taala. So Imam Ghazali. He begins with a small prologue to this chapter, i.e. the chapter on how to strengthen our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By relating love to the hereafter And he says Know that the most felicitous of all people in the hereafter who love Allah are those that have the strongest love for Allah. So again, these are big statements. This is what we want ultimately is felicity. The most felicitous of all people in the hereafter are those that have the strongest love for Allah. When we talk about the hereafter, what is it? We use the word the hereafter. We use the word the afterlife What's its ma'na? What is its meaning? What are we saying when we say When we talk about the hereafter? Al-Qudum ala allah It means we meet Allah It means we are returning to Allah Qadima yaqtimu is to Come to the presence of someone You go visit them So what is the hereafter ultimately Other than meeting Allah Look at the importance of the frame Look at how consistently in all of these chapters, throughout the entire work, He wants us to have the correct conception first. What is meant by the hereafter? If you would ask ourselves that, before we just heard that, we might say something different. We might mention all of the events that take place. We might mention many of the different experiences that people will have. However, while that is true... The reality is It's meeting with Allah The hereafter In other words Is nothing other than A way to refer to Our meeting With Allah And then for those who's Who are in the right state وَالْدَرْكُ سَعَاد, Experiencing the bliss Of meeting him Because this is now He's not talking about All the different types of people He's focusing on mahabbah. And if someone has love for their Lord, this is ultimately what they want, is to experience the bliss of meeting their beloved. And so it's important to state from the beginning, as we indicated yesterday, in all of these meanings of love, we're talking about spiritual love. We're talking about love for Allah. And Imam al does use metaphors To help us understand this love And he, throughout this book Tends to use the love That individuals have for each other However, this is not what's being discussed here This is a pure love That is not tainted By anything that relates to human love This is a pure, vestal love and there's what's called Al-Hub al Imam al-Buseri says Oh you are rebuking me For this vestal love That I have That uh, That were you to be just You wouldn't rebuke me You would know what's really happening in my heart And you would know That I can't be held accountable For the things that I do as a result but the Hawal Idri, Right Is vessel love And some of them says It refers to a particular Arabic Arab tribe That was known to have a capacity For love greater than others Where there was multiple people That actually died out of love From this tribe for human beings In a Majnun Layla type scenario And Even the whole story of Majnun il Layla is that the scholars of the inner sciences like to quote from it. And not so that it can kindle in us anything that relates to human love. It's not their concern. These are people that want to have their hearts love Allah alone. And that was the topic of the last uh, discussion, the last session. And they mentioned that Majnun was seen after he passed away. And in a dream someone asked him مَاذَ What did Allah do with you? And he said Allah forgave me and he made me a proof upon the lovers. Meaning that if a human being can have that much love for another human being then what is the potential of a human being in relation to their love for Allah? If, that, if someone can reach that level of love for another human being and Mejnun Leda is just one of many stories of human beings falling in love with each other. And as long as there's the Sharia dimension, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But what we're talking about is something else and it's important to clarify that. So these meanings should only kindle in our heart spiritual meanings that are pure. And the sign of their purity is Nothing relates to what comes to the mind That is impermissible in the sharia. This is the guideline for us to determine That this, the the correct approach That we have to this type of love We are only talking about love That we can have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And then for the sake of Allah And so both male and female believers Love Rasulullah but it is a pure love. It is a vessel love that is high and lofty and clean and beautiful and far above and distant from any of the other words that sometimes are associated with love when it relates to passions and things of that nature. And this is where we want to remain and this is what we want to strive towards. And so... The hereafter is nothing other than The meeting of, with Allah And for the lover Is experiencing the bliss of that meeting And then Imam says وَمَا أَعْظَمَ نَعِيمِ الْحُبِّ إِذَا قَدِمَ مَحْبُوبِهِ And then how great the bliss of the lover is When he comes into the presence of his beloved After longing for him for a long period of time and one of the great stories that relates to Imam Al-Azari's life is the story that his brother narrates. And keep in mind, his brother was also from the elect of the Muhibbin and the Mahbubin. And he's not as well known in many circles as Imam al is. But in the Persian world of poetry, he's very well known. And he's specifically known for love poetry in Persian. And he also is a great scholar. He Assume the position of Imam Al-Ghazali In his chair for a period of time After he left the Nidamiyah And He describes that his brother Imam Muhammad Al-Ghazali He describes the day And the time And it was a Monday after Salat Al-Fajr And then he said <laughs> Bring me my shroud So he prayed Salat Al-Fajr And he said bring me my shroud And Someone brought him his shroud, i.e. that which you're buried in. And he kissed it, and he placed it on his forehead, and he said, سَمْعًا al I hear and I obey to enter into the presence of the king, and he faced the qibla, and Allah took his life. Allahu Akbar. What kind of, death is that, mashaAllah, tabarakallah Allah. Allahu Akbar. That's how he, that left this world and into the next world. Incomplete. Tranquility And subhanAllah It was as if that he knew That it was his time to meet his Lord Subhanahu wa ta'ala So this is the beauty of Starting the process to shift Towards a, an approach to deen That is rooted in love That's what we hope that it ends up in Is that we go like that So in that moment That when we're ready to meet our Lord And even before that you get some news that you have a terminal illness that you have a different perspective I've actually met someone like this I met someone like this lived in our time and he was a blessed soul he was from Singapore and we went to visit him and he had terminal cancer and when we went to visit him he was as if he wasn't sick at all and he was really sick he was like happy And he Told us when he was diagnosed with cancer He said his first Reaction was An overwhelming feeling of joy <inaudible> What is that? Now it's obviously Not at the cancer itself It's the meaning behind it He The first thing that came to his heart was It's time for me to meet my lord And this is what I've been waiting for my whole life anyway. Why would I not be happy? This is now the time Allah's causes to happen. You don't do something to cause cancer for yourself. You take care of your health. You do all of those things. But if you get it, what better response is there than that? What better response is there than that? And still you do treatment and do all those things outwardly and so forth but he was excited because now he knew his time to be his lord was soon so whether we die suddenly or whether we die slowly this is what we have to do now is to put in the work so that that's our state we don't want to panic we don't want to that uh, question the divine decree when these things happen we want to put in the work now so that's our state and so Imam Al Ghazali further says, relating the importance of love to the hereafter. He says, Now that someone has met their Lord, now he is able to gaze upon his beloved, his Lord, uninterruptedly, forever and ever. And he says, Min <laughs> wa without any distraction or impediment think about all the distractions in the world how many things we're distracted by and as a result we don't have those moments of purity where we can't really concentrate the way that we want to we're either sick it's too cold, it's too hot we have to work, we have to do this we're stressed out all of these different things that happen that impede us from moments of purity for those that work towards this love, once they die, it's over. There's no more impediments. There's no more distractions. And then he gets a little bit more detail. He says, raqiban wa And he relates this to human love, but then applying it with to Allah and there's no chaperone or rival. When you love someone in this world, if you're competing for that love, you have a rival for that love. Or you have other people that are present that prevent you from really expressing the love in the way that you would. And the point here is now that one's in the state after meeting their Lord, that there's no fear. No fear of cessation. It's just going to go on. And then he says, but this na'eem, this bliss that is felt. As a result of the meeting with our Lord. It's only to the degree of the strength of our love that we have in our hearts. The more love that one has is that the more pleasure that is involved in this meeting. And so... We yaktasib, this is the word he used. We earn this love of Allah Ta'ala in the dunya. So again, why is this so important? He's teaching us this is what the dunya is all about. And from that perspective, the dunya is not something lonely. From that perspective, it's the seed bed. It's the maza'ah. It's the farmland of the hereafter. Because you can do things in this world... To become beloved to Allah Ta'ala And It's important to note This is not easy But it's easy for those who Allah makes it easy The path in general is not easy You are asking We are seeking When we seek this The most precious thing in existence Love of Allah And knowledge of Him Subhanahu wa ta'ala And we know any precious thing in existence is not attained easily. It's not attained a rare car, a rare property, a rare anything that is rare tends to be expensive. You tend to have to work hard for and the same goes here. And they mention a the story of one of the righteous and he made a dua for 20 years. And he wanted a confirmation that his du'a had been accepted And for 20 years he never received a confirmation And so finally he asked one of the righteous I've been making this du'a That Allah Ta'ala make me from the Tawabin, From those who are penitent And whose repentance is accepted And I've never received a confirmation That my du'a has been accepted And then this righteous man said to him do you realize what you're asking for? You're asking to become beloved to Allah. Do you think that you're going to attain that overnight? Because Allah says, Innallah Tawabin. Allah loves those who constantly repent. And the meaning behind that is this takes time and it takes hard work. We earn it here in this world, quote unquote. But the reality is, even things that we earn are from the bounty of Allah Ta'ala. But we have to put in effort to attain this. And this is where he establishes what we briefly pointed out last night. That every servant of Allah, every believer has the asal of hope, has the foundation of love in their heart. Because this goes hand in hand with our knowledge of Allah. You can't know Allah and believe in Him without loving Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every believer has this to some degree. But then he says, As for strong love, in reaching a state where it dominates your heart, حَتَّى يَنْتَهِيَ until the point That it leads to passionate love where you are constantly absorbed in the remembrance of your beloved. He said the vast majority of people don't experience this. And then he says for two reasons. And this is where he's going to get into. The two main blocks or obstacles from attaining the higher degrees of love. And he focuses on only two things But They're not as easy As they might think As they might seem They're easy to understand And much of the It's not too difficult to understand There's a few chapters that are difficult Other than that It's not that difficult to understand It's more about putting it into practice So we could read this all On our own And by the way This is a, a good translation by Eric Ormsby, I highly recommend everybody gets a copy. This should be on your shelf. It's a good translation. We could all read this on our own. And that's a good thing to do. But sometimes we need an explanation. But more importantly, we need to put it into practice. And when you come together with other people in an environment where people are making righteous intentions and people have sacrificed to be here, And people are that Hopeful in their Lord Subhanahu wa ta'ala By virtue of their coming together That they're going to receive from Him It is much more likely That we're going to benefit from what's in here Than if we would do it on our own From the bounty of our Lord Subhanahu wa ta'ala And so really then What is he saying The matter of all matters Is about us Maximizing our potential In relation to love This is what it's all about Every believer loves Allah You're not a believer if you don't Again we said it's not a sign of love It is a prerequisite It is a condition of faith It's not a sign of faith It's a prerequisite and a condition of faith To love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Every believer has that But if if we want to reach the higher degrees Where it becomes extremely strong And it dominates our hearts And it colors all of our acts of worship. And it colors all of our acts that we do. Such that our motivation becomes rooted in love of Allah Ta'ala. In worshiping. Because He deserves to be worshiped. There's work that we have to do for that. And the first thing that he mentions is. (laughs) قَطْعُ عَلَائِكِ الدُّنْيَا Severing. Worldly attachments from the heart, all of these ties, all of these connections that we have. In actively wa Hubbi al removing or expunging so just gonna smile. Inside joke. the love of other than Allah Ta'ala from the heart. And why? Imam Al-Ghazali then says, Because the heart is like an inat, it's like a container. And whatever you pour in it is going to fill it up. And the love of Allah and the love of the dunya is like water and oil. They don't mix. And so if the love of Allah is water and the love of dunya is oil... And your the vessel of your heart Is three quarters filled up with oil There's not much room left For the water And yes you pour a little bit of water in But it's only going to fill up a small amount of the volume Of that vessel And as Allah tells us in the Quran He hasn't given any man No one has two hearts In their internal being We only have one heart we only have one heart And we were speaking about this a couple weekends ago In Houston And this is taken from Imam Lazadi's exposition of The wonders of the heart One of the best ways to Visualize the heart Is to see the heart in the center And See the heart as a barzakh Between the Seen world and the unseen world And Attached to the heart on one side is the nafs, which relates to the seen world. On the other side is the ruh, which relates to the unseen world. And it's right there in the middle. And the ruh is like that water. And the nafs, when it is in its lower state, amara is like that oil. And it's all coming into the heart. And to the extent that we open up the floodgates for the oil the nafs to enter into the heart will be to the extent that we, the water of the ruhr, has not allowed in. So your heart is like a vessel. And there's very practical ways that we can allow the water of the ruhr to pervade the heart. There's things that we can do. And in fact, everything that we do for the hereafter, solely for his sake, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is of that category And so
1: The highest
0: degree that we all want to attain Is where our heart is filled with the love of Allah Ta'ala only And he says every zawiya, Every corner of the heart Is preoccupied with him Subhanahu wa ta'ala And if you think about the vastness of the heart The heart is vast and there is a lot that needs to be covered. And ultimately this is our goal is that we explore and we explore and we explore and we work and we work and we work until if we just speak of it as light now that it pervades the entire heart. And Allah Ta'ala indicates this tafreed and this tajreed, this exclusive focus. On Allah Taala when He says, "Qulil Allah thumadharhum fi khudihiyil aboon," Allah says, "Say Allah, and then leave them in their khaud, their delving, in just in a state of play." So Allah says, "Qulil say Allah, fi and just leave them to just play, i.e., focus on worldly things. In another verse, Allah Ta'ala says, Innladin Indeed, those who say, Allah. Our Lord is Allah. And that's an instance of saying that, but that's also an approach to life. Everything that they go through, Allah. He is our Lord. He is the one who created us and He's the one that will nurture us until the end. You might have ups and downs, but this is the first step towards Responding to the divine decree In a way that is pleasing to Allah Seeing it from Him <inaudible> And then what? <inaudible> That's it And then they remain upright And what happens after that It's a result <inaudible> The angels will descend upon them <inaudible> Do not fear Do not fear do not grieve. And take glad tidings of paradise that you were promised. So, this is indicating this meaning. That's where we want to be, as expressed in the Book of Allah. This is where we want to be. This is the indication of those that have reached this higher degree. But then he ties it, just to also show the centrality of muhabbah, to the shahada. La ilaha illallah. He says the meaning of La ilaha illallah, the base meaning, is La ma'bud. Nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah, which means Wala ma'bud siwa. Nothing should be truly loved or loved for the sake of loving it only, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, one of the meanings of La ilaha illallah that we can bring to mind when we're saying La ilaha illallah is La Mahbub illallah. Nothing is loved except Allah. Now, we'll clarify that doesn't mean that you go home and tell your children, I don't love you, I only love Allah. Or you go home and tell your husband, and the husband tells his wife, I just learned in class that I'm not supposed to love you. I only love Allah. Right? No, that's not what it means. Obviously right? But what it means is What should dominate our heart is the love of Allah And then we love for His sake And we love everything for His sake And Allah wants you to love your children Allah wants you to love your spouse Allah love, wants you to love other people Allah wants you to love the animal kingdom Allah wants you to love the mineral kingdom Allah wants you to love all of the signs And the manifestations of His power and wisdom In creation subhanahu wa ta'ala So it's just a difference, and it's subtle. And when you speak about it intellectually only, sometimes it seems, uh, how should I say it? It seems to hint that there's not real love. No, there is. It's pointing to something internal, though. And it manifests, though, in various degrees of detachment. Detachment. From how we experience the things of this world Especially when it comes to tribulation In other words There's indicators to determine whether or not That love is really sincerely only for Him Or there's still It's mixed With worldly attachments So the, the meaning of La ilaha illallah Relates to this whole affair And so When we say la ilaha illallah You can bring that to mind And Imam Al-Azali what he does is He he relates that Loving something to worshipping something And he says that um, We have to be careful with our hearts What we love Because that worship will follow it And one of the things that we know that is mentioned in the Quran Allah Ta'ala says ilahu hawa? Have you not seen the one who takes his caprice as his God and this is the danger that we can become so trapped in our desires that our desires become the criterion whereby which we decide to do things So because of that excessive love in relation to these things, it's almost as if we're worshipping it. And there's other examples of this. Anything that you take for an end in and of itself, it could be a type of worship of that thing if you're not careful. Something like the intellect. If you make the intellect the criterion whereby which you judge everything and you don't accept anything that the intellect can't understand, You could eventually commit shuk with the akla. It's a type of shuk. To commit shuk with the intellect, the intellect has a purpose, but to try to understand something with the intellect that the intellect can't understand, or to deny something the intellect can't understand because you have that imposed upon yourself that criterion, could, in certain circumstances, vayadivida, become a type of shuk. And this is actually very prevalent today. With many people They're blocked by this And so (coughs) What's important for us to know here is What the goal really is This is what we want to achieve When we meet our Lord Subhanahu wa ta'ala A heart that is free of any distraction Or attachments to this world And so he says Someone who this is their state The dunya is their sijin." The world is their prison. And this is the meaning of those blessed words of our Prophet And understanding that is meant to give us solace for the time that we spend here in this world. And from here, I've heard our te- my teachers mention this. When our Prophet ﷺ said, The great, the prophets are those who receive the most tribulation. Then those that are most like them Then those that are most like them What is the greatest tribulation of the Prophet What would you say If someone asked you What the greatest tribulation Of our Prophet Was I've heard our teachers say The greatest tribulation of all Was Having to remain Here in this world Despite his overwhelming state of love For wanting to meet Allah And Someone who hasn't experienced a, Even a, a drop of that Will not understand what that feeling is And He had to remain here because he was commanded To do so Sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. But He wanted to be with his Lord But he was commanded to be here with people and he was here with people and he helped guide people sallallahu alaihi wasallam while being entirely detached from creation sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the secret of success was his detachment and his preoccupation with Allah because you can't call anyone to something that you are not already called to You cannot attract anyone to anything that you're already not attracted to. And the heart of the Prophet ﷺ never fell out from the time that it was created of the Divine Presence of Allah and have an overwhelming love in ways that are bewildering, mind-blowing and that we'll never truly understand. And so it's because of that state everything that he did outwardly ﷺ pulled people to Allah. And less people... Blocked it themselves, and this is why his, his foundational response was always mercy, unless someone prevented him from preventing themselves from receiving his mercy, and then he would take a firm, a more firm, a firmer response. But the foundation was mercy. In other words, if there was no one who prevented. Themselves from receiving the proper service. he would never have responded with anything but mercy. So they brought it on themselves by their response of having to move to a more a firmer response. And so the person who's this is their state, the dunya is going to be a prison. Why? Because it's preventing them from witnessing and being with their beloved. And so look at how these people view death death is leaving the prison death is leaving the prison that's how they view death that's the frame they're trapped and death means I'm getting out of jail وَقُدُومٌ عَلَى الْمَحْبُوبُ And going to the presence of the beloved. And he says this is the state of someone who only has one beloved. And they have been longing for their beloved for a long time. And they've been imprisoned for a long time. And then all of a sudden they're let out of prison and (coughs) They meet their beloved. And when it comes to the meeting with Allah in death, forever and ever. So, the first of the reasons why we have weak love in our heart for Allah is because we have so much love for the dunya in our hearts. This is the first reason. Now, I want to, before we... Look into this a little bit further. I want to say, as a disclaimer, that doesn't mean that we go home and give everything away, little by little. We have already taken the chapter on detachment, renunciation, zuhud. But we have to begin internally, and the internal dimension of this is more important than the external. Because you could go home and give away all of your possessions and still covet what people have and have strong desire for them and you haven't really helped that much. It's better and wiser that outwardly we do things in a very balanced, slow and steady way and internally we start to work on our heart and we start to detach and we start to remind ourselves that every time that we want to experience from one of the pleasures of this, the life of this world, is that we remind ourselves that everything that is coming to us is coming from Allah. And this is, you're able to do this when you're extremely thirsty and you all of a sudden drink something that is cold and sweet on a hot day and it tastes so good, you could just say, I'm just going to experience the pleasure of this drink that I'm drinking. Or, As you're drinking it, you could just remind yourself And push yourself internally to shift slightly Where you remind yourself That the pleasure of that nice cold drink On an extremely hot day when I'm sweating Is from Allah And so you remind yourself that it's from Allah in the moment And so your love is directed towards the giver of the blessing Not the blessing. And if you do that enough It starts to become your state more and more And one of the ways to remind ourselves of that Is to remind ourselves of the verse in the Quran وَسَقَاهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ شَرَابًا tahura." And their Lord That gave them to drink from a purifying drink شَرَابًا tahura. But what? وَسَقَاهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ Outwardly there's someone That is giving them that drink But the reality is it's from Allah And so when you imagine That whatever you bring to mind Whatever it is that you are drinking That is pleasurable is from Allah Then your pleasure then is with Allah And or the, the, you see the pleasure as being from Allah And it causes you to love Allah Jalla Jalal. So the first means Why we have weak Love in our hearts for Allah Ta'ala is because of our love of this world. And what does it mean to love the world? We have attachments that come from family, that come from wealth, that come from children, that come from relatives, that come from property, that come from different things that we own, that come from all of these different ways That we find pleasure in this world. When we slowly start to sever this connection and we start to see it as being from Allah, the more love that will come into our hearts solely for our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, but that takes work. And when we first start to do it, it might seem to be difficult. But struggle with it a little bit And it will all of a sudden make sense And struggle with it a little bit more And make du'a in sujood Preferably at night And at special times And if you make this your concern Allah will assist you Because again, this is about putting it into practice When we don't put It's like anything else that you do If you're studying any subject And you are all of a sudden studying at an intermediate level And you never learn the basics You're going to be confused It's the nature of anything When you study the science of the heart It's no different You're going to be confused If you're not actively trying to do this But this is the, one of the greatest take-homes Of focusing on the books of Imam al-Ghazali For these weekend retreats Is that this becomes our preoccupation Day in and day out Taking our spiritual life seriously Taking the state of our heart seriously And making sure that we are working towards Having a rise in the heart What is pleasing to him Subhanahu wa ta'ala So he says How do you uproot The love of the world From a heart It is by Traveling the path of renunciation. Traveling the path of detachment. تصبر, in clinging to patience. Forcing yourself to be patient. And again, it doesn't mean outwardly getting rid of everything. It is says primarily internally. And it is a struggle. Because we all love the world. We love the world. And it's a struggle. It's something that you have to roll up your sleeves and have courage to do. And this is where he goes into a little bit more detail about what he said in the beginning about how love is the pinnacle of all of the previous stations. Because he says here, you do this by forcing yourself to be patient and allowing yourself to be led by the reins of Chauf and Rajah. A fear and hope. As he mentioned, he says here, with the other stations that came before. Are those fans cold for everyone? Yeah. I was going to say, if I can film over here, I can't imagine. So if you just, there's a notch over there. Yeah. If you just turn it down. So he says that all of those that came before, to the right. Tawbah, sabr, zuhud, khawf, raja, repentance, patience, renunciation, fear, hope—all of them are prerequisites, precursors, in order for us to realize this Rukan, this pillar of the two pillars of achieving true love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Because why? This is the pillar of taqliyat al qalb al ghayli Emptying the heart from other than Allah. And what is meant by that, severing the attachment. So, everything that was talked about in general in the Ihya, which is essentially a summary of the deen, the essence of it, is a (coughs) leading up ultimately to love. But specifically, the last quarter of the Ihya, that begins with the discussion of repentance... And then follows with the books that were mentioned, because this is book 36. So there's 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. Five books. And that includes, and it also includes, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They all lead up to love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this is all about, emptying the heart. So severing worldly attachments from the heart Is synonymous with emptying the heart And it is equivalent to detachment And Muzari you know, says the Prophet intended this One of the meanings when he said وسلم, In the hadith in Sahih Muslim Purity is half of faith Purity is half of faith and so in this sense, removing all of the refuse of the heart That arises from these attachments So this is the first Severing worldly attachments from the heart And then he says The second way to strengthen the love of Allah Ta'ala Is attaining extensive knowledge of Allah And we put it on the outline as Planting the seeds of Gnosis in the heart and you can add to that through reflection if you would like. So that attaining extensive knowledge of Allah ta'ala and allowing it to overmaster the heart. But he says this is done after purifying the heart from worldly distractions, from its ties, from its connections. And he says it is analogous to what? Planting a seed in the earth after tilling the soil. So, you can't just plant a seed in the earth. You have to first find the place that you know you want to plant. You have to prepare it. You have to remove the grass that's on the top or whatever it is. You have to that prepare the soil. Sometimes you need to add things to the soil, whatever. And then you plant the seed. So then this is the second part of this is planting the seeds of knowledge in the heart, planting the seeds of gnosis in the heart. And this is what will come. When you plant that seed in the heart, it will eventually grow into a tree. And he says, "This is the kalimah Tayiba. This is the good word that is indicated when Allah in the verse when Allah ta'ala says, Allah methanin." كَرِمَةً طَيِّبًا كَشَجَرَةً طَيِّبًا الْأَصْلُ هَتَابِتُ وَفَرْحًا بِالسَّمَاةِ فِالسَّمَاةِ That Allah has coined a metaphor. A good word is as a good tree. Its roots are firmly grounded and its branches are in the sky. So let's take it back to La Ilaha Allah because in a hadith it indicates that the كَرِمَةً طَيِّبًا is La Ilaha Lallahu. And we say, La ilaha illallah, the word in and of itself is teaching us this whole process. Because what? La ilaha is a negation. There is no God. Illallah is an affirmation. Except Allah. So the two pillars of how we strengthen our love for Allah relate to the word La ilaha illallah itself. La ilaha There is no God In the The first part Relates to severing Those attachments And that is Reminding ourselves Every time we take part In one of those desires We make sure That we do so In a way that is Pleasing to Allah Ta'ala I.e. In line with the sacred law And two That we Don't indulge beyond What is necessary And three We do so with that understanding that this is ultimately from Allah. And then it will bring us to Allah as opposed to block us from getting close to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is all reflected in this word. This is the Karimah Taiba, And this word, because it's the essential word that is used for faith, relates to the tree of in your of your deen which starts with faith in the depths of your heart and so the seed is belief and that relates to the roots and then the trunk which then comes out of the ground is the faraid those are all of the obligations that Allah Ta'ala has commanded us to do and then the major branches that come from the trunk are the nawafil. Those are the superagatory acts. You can't have fruit. Fruit doesn't grow on the trunk. right? You have to have the roots, which is underground. That's faith. You can't see someone's faith. But you have the trunk, which are the obligations. You have the major branches, which are the superagatory. And then you have the sub-branches in the twigs, which are all of the adab, all of the various etiquettes that we do. And then, when you have faith, the obligations, which are the trunk, the sub- the big branches, which are the superagatory acts that we do, the devotional works, and you have all of the etiquettes with the smaller branches in the twigs, then... The adwaq are the blossoms and the fruit. The experiences that come as a result, the mawajid. These are the fruits that come as a result. But it all relates, it's impossible to have those blossoms and that fruit without a strong tree. Without its roots that are essentially rooted in This process of purification And planting And all the meanings That are associated with it Like cultivating So he says This is also indicated وَيْلَيْهَ الْإِشَارَ And there's what's called A tafsir al-ishari Elusive interpretations Of the Quran Where there are meanings That are in addition To the outward meaning And one of the prerequisites For the permissibility Of that meaning Is it doesn't negate the outward meaning It's an additional meaning That can also be understood from the verse So he says When Allah Ta'ala says al-kalim <speaking> tayyib <in Hebrew> Unto him Do good words ascend He says فِهِيَا kalim tayyib Here Means One of the meanings is It means ma'rifah, <speaking in Hebrew>, Gnosis Knowledge of Allah and then the verse continues, وَالْعَمَلَ الصَّالِحُ And righteous deeds that raise it. What is it here? It here refers to the al tayyib, according to this interpretation. So what does Imam Al-Azari say? He says, The amal The righteous deeds are like a bearer or a carrier or a servant. He says, a hamal or a for this ma'rifah. In other words, is that what is the means of lifting These kalama qayb Which are righteous deeds I.e. that if you focus on emptying your heart From other than Allah ta'ala In the way that was mentioned in Doing righteous deeds It bears fruit In knowledge of Him Subhanahu wa ta'ala And so Knowledge is really important And here And this is why this book is so central To the, everything in the Ihyad He gives essentially a summary of ilm al-mu'amal at this point. And we've spoken about that before in numerous retreats. In how um, ilm tariq al-akhira, the science of the way of the hereafter, the two subsets of it are ilm al-mu'amal and ilm al There's the knowledge of praxis and then the knowledge of unveiling. And he says, I'm not here to speak about the knowledge of unveiling because that's a fruit. Although, that he intimates certain things throughout the Ihyah that point to openings that he's received. And he does that to encourage us to experience that by doing what it is that we need to do. So, he focuses in the Ihyah on Ibn Mu'amala, knowledge of praxis, focusing on how it we how we need to, it's not just an outward thing, but it's uh, because belief is part of it. But it's more outward than it is inward. It's not mystical in that sense. And so he says. Then al muna'amada breaks into two parts: outward knowledge and inward knowledge. And the outward knowledge is the first two quarters of the ahya Inward knowledge is is the last two quarters of of the ahya And so he says. But the whole point, purpose here Of You need knowledge at every stage Because you need knowledge to know what it is that you should do And so knowledge is needed in the beginning And in the end But the first knowledge that you need is the ilm al-mu'amala Practically how you do things And the purpose of that knowledge is to actually do it But the Purpose then of actually doing it is that you attain purity of heart. So the whole point of Inman muamala all of those outward things that you do, is to purify your heart. So just think about conceptions of people that are trapped in an understanding of Deen that doesn't consider this. Where the understanding is only about the different things that you do, and that's like an end in and of itself. Yes. Anything that someone does by way of good is good But look at the beauty of our deen And don't think that this is just for That one in a million Muslims There are that many many people still to this day In Muslim society In pockets left in the world of traditional Islam That are very simple people That are living this That this is their approach to deen This informs what they do still to this day this is attainable this is accessible and that even if we see it as far-fetched at this stage and where we're at as a community in places like the United States and Canada wherever else someone else is living we have to work to make this the foundational way that people approach their deen and so the purpose of Ibn al-Mu'amala is to purify the heart and what then is the purpose of purifying the heart? Are you purifying it for the sake of purifying it? This is where he mentions this word, Jaliyat al-Haq. And um, he mentions this in several places in the al Medin. And Jaliyat al-Haq is evident truth. The whole purpose of purifying the heart is so you come to know what you're supposed to know truth comes to your heart and it's evident and it's clear and your heart is illuminated and there's no confusion. And then the heart is adorned after that in various degrees of gnosis. And he says, this is Enman Mokashava. So he just summarized in one sentence Everything that he's done in the Ahya. And then, وَمَهْمَا حَصْلَتْ هَذِي الْمَعْرِفَةِ تَمِيَتْ هَا الْمَحَبَّ بِالدْضُرُورَةِ If you attain this gnosis, necessarily, you will love Allah Taala Necessarily. Necessarily. And this is when he goes into... A little bit more detail about making two major divisions, what he calls the and the Du'afa, the strong and the weak. And he doesn't spend too much time talking about the strong because they're already experiencing. But it is important, uh, there is a statement, as mentioned in the Risaj al some of them attribute the statement to Sayyidina al Bukhari Siddiq. It's important, I believe, uh, even to understand that the realm of the intellect, that this is a possibility, even if we don't fully know what it means. And in this narration that is quoted from the Risalah of the Qushari, it's not attributed to Sayyidina Bakr, but in other places it is. When one of them was asked, that, How did you know your Lord? And he responded, Rabbi I knew my Lord through my Lord. rabbi, Rabbi. Were not to have been from my Lord, I wouldn't have known my Lord. In other words, it is possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove the veil from the heart such that you know Him without coming to know Him through His creation. So that you first know Him and then you know creation in relation to it being a manifestation of Him. His names and attributes specifically. That's a possibility. And we should accept that as a possibility. And there's a number of examples of, in the life of the companions of the Prophet of companions who experienced. I mean, the ones that we don't know are innumerable. But the ones that we do know, there's multiple narrations of companions that experienced this from Allah from, by means of the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, where this became their state. Where then they know creation After first knowing Allah. And that seems difficult, but it is a possibility. But this is very important in many of the philosophical discussions that we have that we're not going to get into. But his focus obviously is on the weak. On and the lower of the two is that we look at creation and we look at the wonders in creation, as Allah says. We shall show them our signs in the horizons and in their own selves, until that it becomes clear to them that it is truth. And there's multiple verses that indicate to us that we should reflect upon Allah Taala's creation. We should gaze upon it. We should think deeply about it. And this is something that all of us can do. And then he poses a theoretical question that were someone to say, both of these seem to be difficult for me. That they both seem to be problematic. That can you give me more clarity? And that he says... Um, the first one which is that of the strength Yes, this is obscure He agrees that it's obscure And he says that the vast majority of people Are not able to fully understand it or experience it So he says there's no point in mentioning about it Mentioning about it in the work He says as for the easier of the two ways He says everyone can do this He says but the reason إِنَّمَا قصرت أَفْهَمْ عَنْهُ لِعْرَاضِهَا أن التَّدَبُّرِ But they've been unable to fully understand it because they have turned away from spending time in reflection. And if we're honest with ourselves, when was the last time we reflected deeply? On Allah's creation. With the intention of coming to know Him through what it is that He created. When was the last time? There could be quite a few of us That never once in our religious life So if we deny that this is a possibility I.e. we plant the seeds of knowledge of Allah in our heart By reflecting upon His creation And the more that we do that that Then the more that we will come to know our Lord Through what He's created Because it points to Him Subhanahu wa ta'ala If we deny that Then we have to be very careful that it's not something that is the mistake hasn't originated within us which it has so if we have never given reflection its due right and secondarily he says that we preoccupied ourselves with just the desires of this world then it will prevent us from the fruit that comes from this reflection and then he does something really neat And for time's sake I think actually I will read it We got a little bit of time Um, Just to give you an example Of what he does And this is An example of reflection And so he says Many are the acts of Allah But let us search out the least The simplest and the tiniest of them And contemplate their wonders Earth With everything it contains is the least of the creations. By least, I mean in comparison to the angels in the heavenly realm. When you pair into it with regard to volume and magnitude in its individual bodies. So he's not even talking about what is unveiled to people from the Merakut. And then he talks about the size of the sun in relation to the earth. And now consider the earth's littleness in comparison to the sun. Then consider the sun's littleness in relation to the sphere in which it is established, and then that he talks about the seven heavens that surround it. But the seven heavens themselves are like a ring in a trackless desert in comparison to the footstool, the kursi of Allah, and the kursi itself stands in the same relation in comparison to the arsh of Allah Taala. Then. This, then, is a peak at the outer aspect of individual entities with respect to their sizes. How contemptible is the whole earth in comparison to these? How small is land compared to the oceans? Observation and experience corroborate this. It is well known that the portion of land not submerged by water is like a little island in relation to the entire earth. Now turn your gaze towards man created from the dust that is a portion of the earth, And towards the other animals. And consider how tiny they all are in comparison to earth. Better yet, set all of that aside. The smallest animals we know are gnats, ants, and the like. This is in his time. He's mentioning something that's small. Consider how small the gnat is. Reflect with alert intellect and steady thought. Observe how Allah created the gnat in the shape of the elephant. The biggest of beasts. He created a trunk for it like the elephant's trunk. And he created other organs for it too, though on a smaller scale, such as he created for the elephant with the addition of two wings. Consider how he apportioned its external organs and made its wings sprout, how he drew out its hand and his foot, opened up its hearing and in sight. Inside the nut he arranged organs of nutrition alongside instruments he did not provide for other animals. He compounded in inside it particular particular nu- uh, nutritive, attractive, defensive, retentive, and digestive faculties which he did not compound for other animals. So much for the gnat's external form and features. Next, consider its endowments, how God equipped it with its own proper nourishment, causing it to know that man's blood is its food. Consider then how he gave it means of flight towards man, how he created a long pointed trunk for it, how he guided to the pores of human skin where it could poke its trunk, how he gave it strength to stick its trunk inside and taught it to suck and swallow blood, how he created the trunk in hollow delicacy so that the thin blood might flow inside it and then arrive in its belly and from there spread to its other organs and nourish them. How did he make it aware that man would aim at his hand and instill stratagems of escape inside of it with the equipment always at the ready? You try to hit it, and it flies away. Thus for the knot he created a sense of hearing by which it could perceive the faint movement of a hand, even when quite far, and leave off sucking and escape only to return later when, it, when the hand is again at rest. Next, consider how create create the two pupils for the gnat, so that it sees the places where it might feed. And he just goes on and on about a gnat. And the point of him doing this is, thus, through reflection upon this and upon analogous instances, knowledge increases that leads to the smoother of the two paths. As knowledge increases, love increases. If you seek the bliss of meeting Allah, Cast this world behind your back and plunge your life into constant litany and prolonged meditation, perhaps. And that way you will gain a little measure for to gain even that tiny bit is to gain a great end in this realm. So those are the two things he speaks of. Um, I want to add for consideration a few others that perhaps that Imam himself would have considered these, would have assumed these. And the first stage really is beginning with the correct conception. In other words, you have to be open to love. You'd be surprised at how many people in our community, and maybe even some of your own family members, were they to read parts of this book that they would be like, that has nothing to do with religion. That's weird. I don't know what that is. I don't want that in this house. Don't talk to me about that. That's the reality. This is the reality of where we're at. Like do we understand The problem with that Like really Do we realize what we are preventing ourselves Our children, our community from If we're still caught up with that It's serious And so Even being open To love, this is where it all starts You have to have the correct conception This is a part of the religion And this is central to the religion And something we should all strive to do. You have to begin there And then secondly, you have to make an intention to attain these states that are mentioned. A strong, real intention in your heart. And to desire to attain that state. And there's something to be said for desiring these states even if you don't attain them. It's a sign that Allah has enlightened your heart. That your heart, even if I'm falling short, I know myself, I can't even pray all the time I can't even concentrate on my prayers I can't get out of doing A, B, and C But still Not only is there nothing wrong It's still a sign of an enlightened heart That you desire to attain these states one day From the bounty of Allah time. So don't let your imperfections And your shortcomings Even your acts of disobedience Prevent you from making an intention To attain this And desire it And then thirdly Turning to Allah After you have the correct conception After making a strong intention Desiring it Turn to Allah Day in and day out And the sunnah dua That is mentioned there Where we ask Allah ta'ala for his love And the love of that which he loves And love of everything that will bring us to his love Learn that Memorize that And repeat that over and over again With a heart That brings to mind That Allah Ta'ala sees it And rely upon Him And then Fourthly Companionship Be around The lovers of Allah and His Messenger Either in person If you can If they're near you If they're in your vicinity Be with them If they're not travel to be with them and see them if they're in your country go see them if they're out of your country go see them if they're somewhere internationally and in they're that hard to find seek them out even from time to time even if it's once a even if it's once every 5 years seek them out and also take their companionship through their stories and that's something you can do daily you can take the companionship of these great people daily and then, fifth, remind yourself before your worship, before your prayer, before you make dhikr, before the acts of goodness that you do, to do it out of love. It exists within you. Channel it. Make your motivation mahabbah, love. And if it's hard at first, force yourself. And if you don't know what it means, force yourself to try. And Allah will assist you. And then I think comes these two. Where you spend time reflecting on the Allah's creation in detail in the way that he, was, that he was mentioned here. And there's a beautiful section on reflection in Ramah Haddad's book, the book of assistance. And then also that to develop love for that which Allah loves, i.e. our Prophet ﷺ and the righteous and all of the things we're supposed to love. Reflect upon the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then the detachment and the renunciation, work on that over a long period of time. Slowly, little by little, little by little, little by little. And if we do that, those are seven steps. If we do that, by the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our love for Allah ta'ala will strengthen. Allah ta'ala will give us and to bless us in all of our affairs. Ya Rahum and to give us a taste of what he gives to the elect of the Umliya and Saliheen. May Allah Ta'ala bless love to dominate all of our hearts, Ya Rahman Rahmeen. May it be the motivation whereby we, be that we worship him, and the motivation whereby we wish everything that is you do and that we do so sincerely, solely for his sake, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, motivated out of love for him because he deserves to be worshipped. May Allah Ta'ala bless us in all of our different affairs, take care of all of our needs. And anyone who came with any need, Allahumma, we ask you to take care of it. And we ask you to bless us all, to constantly move up in degrees of closest to you in all our different states, inwardly and outwardly. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi wa sallam. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. InshaAllah, we're going to prepare uh, for prayer. Um, so if you need to renew your wudu,